There's always something thrilling about the start of the Champions League's knockout phase, a tantalising sign of what's to come. Manchester City, the reigning champions, and seem to be moving into the higher gears at just the right moment. But Real Madrid have defied their injury nightmare to move well clear at the top of La Liga. Bayern are usually seen as potential winners, but they're a hot mess. But can Italy's best team, Inter, make another run to the final? It'll be fascinating to find out. I'm Kevin Hatchard and this is Football Only Better. Top events need to top tipping team. I've certainly got that today, starting with Mark O'Hare. Mark, if we look at the outrights ahead of the last 16, we can see that City, the clear favourites, at 3.05 on the exchange. No big surprises there. Bayern, to me, inexplicably short at 6.4. Real Madrid, 6.6. That seems a lot more realistic. And Arsenal, interestingly, the fourth favourites at seven. Yeah, so I think we all agreed back in September that Man City were, were very strong, very fair favourites to, to retain their title. I didn't want to back them at a sort of... Th- Briefly in quotes back in September when you're waiting until June to be paid out. It's quite a short price to to cheer on. But yeah, interestingly, though, the price hasn't really changed or, or moved since then. And that's probably understandable. They're always expected to, to qualify through the group. And they've actually now probably got the, the best last 16 draw out of everyone really drawing Copenhagen. So it'd be a huge shock if they did exit. So you're looking at basically a, a two to one, 3.05 shot to, to reach the quarterfinal stage and beyond, which is reasonable. I, I certainly wouldn't want to lay Man City at those kind of prices. Um, we've talked on, on the uh, weekend podcast really about them kind of coming into form in the springtime, and that certainly seems to be the case at the minutes. But um, yeah, the tournament does seem to look like it lacks the depth of, of previous years. Um, no Liverpool, of course, who would normally take up a, a chunk of the, the outright market. Bayern, as you say, have been hit by injuries. They never signed the defensive midfielder. We expected them to sign in January either. Um, they're also wrestling with Leverkusen domestically, which could take some focus away. So, yeah, I, I kind of put Bayern up at 7.0 at the start of the campaign, thinking they'd be in a much stronger position come February. But uh, the doubts that we had in September are certainly still there. So I wouldn't touch them, even if they should come through against Lazio. Um, and yeah, I, I guess you try and find a team who could match or, or better City, which is very, very difficult. We know City have been um, caught up with a, a few um, surprising defeats in this competition in previous campaigns. But, you know, ordinarily they should be too strong over two legs against most teams. And they proved it against Bayern last season, even if the aggregate score was probably a little bit more one-sided than perhaps the, the balance of play was. But um, they did pretty much dominate Real Madrid. And, and that would be a concern if I was back in Madrid here. Um, Bellingham's just picked up an ankle injury, which will keep him out for three weeks or so. Are they as good as last season? Um, I'm not sure, to be honest. Obviously, Bellingham's had a, a huge boost, but there's no Benzema, no Alaba, no Courtois. Um, so they're probably about the same, if not slightly worse, perhaps. I don't really know. PSG, they're certainly not in a better place than we expect them to be at, You know, back in September time under Luis Enrique. I thought they'd grow into the campaign. I still think there's big question marks over their ability, more so away from home in, in the big matches that matter. So, yeah, then you're looking at Arsenal. Um, I wouldn't dismiss them, to be honest, at 7.0. It's slightly short for me to back them, but they could conceivably kind of match Man City. They've done so in the past. They beat them quite comfortably at the at the Emirates so far this season too. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't discount them, even if I don't think they're that attractive at the price. So the, the one that does appeal is Inter Milan at, at 19.0. Um, 
Why are they at this bigger price? It's, it's hard to know, to be honest. I, I think Serie A is probably getting a, a bit of a bad rep here, which might be building into, into his price here. You know, the Italian clubs haven't tended to feature strongly by last season in the latter stages of this competition. But um, you have to say, too, you know, they were finalists last year, but the, the draw did work in their favour and you do need a, a decent draw to get to the... Get yeah. to the final, but um, I think they they're no worse the though, are they? Than they were last year. If anything, I think they've grown even more as a unit. I know. I mean, Jan Zoma's gone in there, done a perfectly good job replacing Onana. I, I guess is it the Atletico factor that they've got a pretty tough draw in the last sixteen? Yeah, but I think it's it's possible. Um, Atleti aren't the same sort of headache as they were a decade or so they've evolved their game we've we've discussed it many times they're a bit more open these days and I think that might play into Inter's hands and you know dominating domestically so that perhaps they can have a look at the Champions League um, they've got that cushion um, after the, the win against Juventus look Atleti is not going to be a straightforward game but uh, yeah you look at the the side I think they are better than last season I think they're more rounded more robust uh, I think the, the partnership of Lautaro and, and Turam is is working really well. Mkhitaryan seems to be rolling back the years at the minute, having a, a really good campaign. Chalinoglu developing into a, a brilliant all-round midfielder. You've got Barella there. The, the wing-back options are really, really strong. Um, Inzaghi likes to kind of rotate those after an hour or so, so they're nice and fresh. A strong central defensive platform to work from. And then I think San Siro as well can be the uh, a big bonus for them too. The, the big nights under the lights at San Siro can be work in their favour. So, um, yeah, I think the price at the moment, they, they would be the ones who appeal most. But I do think perhaps this is the year for uh, an outsider to be um, running close to to top honours, if that's Inter or not. Maybe, maybe 18 to 1 shots, not, not big enough really. But um, I certainly think they should be a lot shorter than they are at the moment. Odds compiler, tipster and Claudio Ranieri superfan Mark Stinchcombe is with us. Uh, Stinch, how does that winner market look to you? And is there anything else you've seen uh, that appeals in any of the outright market? I think uh, City are the bet, to be fair, at the at the prices. Um, it's a bit of a boring answer, but based on the, the maths, I would say that City are overpriced. They're 11 to 5 on the sports book. If you look at them, if you consider, we've done this before, if you actually consider what you need to do to win the Champions League, you don't necessarily need to win matches, you just need to qualify. So you need to qualify four times, basically. Round of 16, quarters, semi-final. You look at City's prices last season to qualify uh, in the in the ties from this stage onwards. 1-6 to six v Leipzig, 4-9 to nine v Bayern. 4 to 11 v Madrid, 1 to 4 v Inter in the final. Now, if you uh, multiplied them all together, you get 15 to 8. And let's say City are 11 to 5. Now, that's four really tough games there Leipzig, Bayern, Madrid, Inter. They're already playing Copenhagen, which is, you know, a lot easier. Uh, they're 1 to 16 to qualify there. So already, you know, the, the 11 to 5 looks more attractive because probably if, if you take all their to qualify prices this year if they go that far you're looking at sub at least six to four i would say based on this one to 16 that we've already got for copenhagen then you factor in that after this round we're going to lose one of leipzig or madrid one of inter or atletico one of napoli or barcelona and yeah as mark says i do think the the competition is is quite poor to be fair um you know it, it's not a peak Bayern, it's not a peak psg madrid and barcelona no longer have messi and ronaldo 
So I think the competition's almost, it's, it's almost, it feels a bit Europa League in a, in a way. It doesn't feel like the top tier of competition. So, and, and we know City are in, in great condition in terms of player availability. Um, when you do look further down, you mentioned Bayern already, not really been spoken about, but, but Thomas Tuchel's record at Bayern is, is quite poor when you compare it to previous managers. Um, his win percentage is only 67%. I say only you compare it to other managers, uh, that's 67% across 42 games. Uh, Nagelsmann had a 71%. Uh, success rate across 84 games. Hansi Flick, 81% across 86. Even Niko Kovac is higher, 69% across 65 games. Uh, Mjuk Heinks was 78% uh, across 41. Ancelotti, 70% across 60 games. And, and Guardiola was 75% across 161 games. So Tuchel's only at 67% after 42 games, which is you know quite quite a shorter amount of games compared to the others and yet they still got a high percentage so he knew he almost needs to win every single game just to catch up with them which I don't think is going to happen based on what we've seen um, under his tutelage so far he's been in charge of Bayern almost a year now so yeah I would I think they're massively opposable I, I, I think we have this Madrid obviously have a romantic relationship with the European Cup, a bit like Liverpool. Um, but again, this is now Madrid without a number nine in, in Benzema and obviously no Ronaldo. Bellingham's injured, as Mark said. Um, they're 11 to 2. I wouldn't want to back that. I wouldn't want to back Arsenal at a similar price. Um, obviously, a huge focus right now on the title race. And then you look at uh, Arteta in Europe, been knocked out by Villarreal. Uh, sporting uh, Olympiacos so tactically maybe he's not quite there in Europe either um, and and yeah the further you go back there's uh, so many negatives like you wouldn't want to back Barcelona at 16s I don't think and obviously they're playing Napoli you wouldn't want to back Napoli under Mazzari um, they're 40 no. to 1 um, that seems quite a big difference there I could definitely see Napoli taking out uh, Barcelona Um Mark's mentioned Inter, but obviously tricky tie with Atletico. And so you, you don't really want to be taking one or either of those, I don't think, because of the, the difficulty of the tie. And then Dortmund at 33s. I'm not a fan of uh, Terzic. And yeah, Dortmund are, are playing for what top four this season, not even in a in the title challenge. So yeah, I think it's Man City's to lose. You can back City to win the treble still at 12 to 1. I mean, arguably, that's a decent bet as well. Uh, when you look at the odds they are to to win the league, heavy odds on to win the league, two to one to win the FA Cup. So I think that's also something to look at as well. And you wanted to look at something across the three competitions, didn't you? Champions League, Europa League and Europa Conference League. Yeah, I just thought worth mentioning the fact that you can back on the sportsbook uh, three English teams to lift all the European trophies at 18 to one. And um, that would give you City and Arsenal on side for the Champions League. You'd get Liverpool, Brighton and West Ham for the Europa League. And then you get Villa for the Europa Conference League. And um, I think it was 35 to 1 if you backed the favourites in, in City, Liverpool and Villa. So only to, for the price to only half and you still and you get Arsenal on side, then you also get West Ham and Brighton on side. Maybe a direction you want to go in. I'm still slightly apprehensive about getting involved with the English teams and the other competitions 
because of the sort of injuries we've seen in the Premier League this season compared to other yeah. leagues with the increase in, in uh, stoppage time. Um, as I say, Man City are in, in great condition, but um, there's a lot of other teams that perhaps aren't in a, in a fantastic condition in, in that respect. Um, but, you know, 18 to 1, you, you, it's, uh, it's a big price and uh, you wouldn't have to stake a lot to get a decent return. And yes, the January transfer window has closed, but like a Turkish club pouncing in February, we've brought in Sky Sports' Lewis Jones. Lewis, it's great to have you with us. Which outright bets do you think we should be considering, both in terms of the winner market and anything else that you've seen? Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. It's um, great to be here. I I can only echo really what um, the guys have said there about Manchester City. Um, I I do think that the fact they've... Got, got over this mental block in the competition, I think is actually huge now for this season. Um, yeah. Teams can waste sort of so much energy by wanting something almost too much. And that's been City's downfall in the past, I think. I mean, I think they even played like that in the final against Inter. It wasn't a very convincing uh, performance. But now the pressure seems to be lifted slightly. And although the pressure is there to win that sort of double treble that they're going after, um, it's not an overwhelming level of pressure. And if they can just sort of stay relaxed... Um, it's very hard to see a team beating them over two legs. Um, so I've gone, I've gone looking in the top goal scorer market actually for a little bit of uh, uh, value, and I do like playing in these types of markets that have become a little bit sort of unloved over the last two months or so. Maybe while the traders' minds are elsewhere, so sort of things can change in football quite quickly, can't they? And there's opportunities to grab an inflated price on a certain player or team that sort of been missed by the the traders that aren't really concentrating on that market in question. So with that in mind, I've, I've, I've backed Phil Foden um, this week at 40 to one with each way stakes in mind uh, to be the uh, Champions League top goal scorer. Um, you need someone, if you're going to back, have a bet in this market, you need someone who's going to play for a team that expected to go deep in the competition. We've got that with City. Um, his goals per game ratio this season is spiking and he's now become an automatic starter for uh, Pep yeah. Guardiola, which is... Um, a big thing. He only played actually 80 minutes across all of Manchester City's Champions League knockout games last season, which is quite um, remarkable really when you think about it. But he's become a, a mainstay this season now, starting 25 of the last 29 games across uh, the Premier League and Champions League. And I'd argue he's probably been City's most outstanding player over the last few weeks. And I think Guardiola has found a way to play, to get all these big boys in the in the team. So with Rodri, Bernardo Silva, Julian Alvarez, Kevin De Bruyne, Erling Haaland, and Foden, I think he can squeeze them into his best eleven now, like he did with the win at Brentford, where I thought they were incredible going forward, actually. So I think that bodes well for Foden's chances, uh, seeing a lot of minutes. Um, he's on he's on three goals already in the Champions League. So he's he's two behind Erling Haaland at the top of the betting, who's 11 to 10 with the sports book. Um, he's joint with Antoine Griezmann and Morata at the moment. Um, and I can I think Atletico will struggle to get past into. So those those two hopefully will depart. Um, but the win part of this bet isn't where the fun lies, I don't think. I think that it's the each way part that I've this really drawn me in because we're getting a quarter of the odds for the first four, meaning we're getting 10 to 1, 10 to 1 for our money if Foden can finish among those sort of top, top, top four finishers. And it's probably worth pointing out as well that dead heat rules would apply uh, like they're doing golf uh, outright markets. So if he finishes on, say, six or seven goals, um, dead heat rules would apply. So we'll still get a, a payout um, there. And just having having looked at the the what how many goals you need to get to, to in order to place in this um, Champions League goal-scorer market, I've s- scraped the data from the last 10 seasons and you need to be hitting around sort of 8.7 goals um, to be um, 
to be placing really. So you need Foden needs to hit a ratio of about five or six goals in these potentially seven games the City have got until the final. And I just think a player of his quality playing for arguably the greatest team in the world um, is very capable of hitting that number. Even he could he could maybe get two or three over the next um, two games against uh, Copenhagen. So yeah. That uh, Phil Foden, 40-1 to one with each way stakes in mind, certainly is a bet to um, hopefully keep us entertained throughout the next few uh, months. Well, that's lead us on to that Copenhagen game. So we've got two games on Tuesday, another two on Wednesday. Remember, they spread them uh, over uh, kind of four different match weeks, if you like, these last 16 ties. The first one we'll look at is City going to Parken to take on Copenhagen Lewis. I mean, we've seen Copenhagen have made that quite a tough place to go. They managed to embarrass Manchester United, thought they were the better team against them. You know, certainly Old Trafford and obviously Marcus Rashford got sent off at Parkin, so that changed it as well. But it's a big ask to cause problems for City, isn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a... Is it, a, is it a good draw for them? Would they be happy with facing the City? I'm not sure. I mean, you get the... You no, get the so, <laughs> I wouldn't so have called, thought so. So could glamour tie, I suppose, but you're, you're, you're heavy odds on to be the part in the competition now. Um, it's been a, quite a whack, wacky ride for them to get there, isn't it? That Manchester United game, that 4-3, um, was 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 crazy. But they probably played Manchester United at a, at a good time when there was quite a lot of chaos going on at Old, Old Trafford there and they were conceding goals um, at a big ratio. So... Um, it's hard to it's hard to weigh up how how good Copenhagen are really. I mean, they might, you think making the, the last sixteen of this competition, you think they've got something about them. But no team made more clearances uh, defensively in the group stages of the Champions League, which is a stat which suggests they were on the back foot a lot. But yet their overall defensive metrics are actually quite positive. They restricted Bayern to just a combined expected goals total of one point five seven across the two games and got the nil nil as well. So they obviously have the tools to restrict an elite attack, but whether they can um, stop City is a really, really, really big ask, even even in the home game. And I, I don't really like the fact they haven't played a competitive game either since um, that Galatasaray win in December due to the Danish Super League's uh, winter break. They played a couple of friendlies, a few friendlies at the Atlantic Cup, but there were some strange results, like a 5-4 against East Esborg of Sweden. Can that really be trusted as any a solid piece of form? So it's hardly the perfect preparation ahead of a, a game against a, a footballing uh, juggernaut and that's why City are sort of one to five to to win the game in, in Copenhagen Yeah Mark can you see anything for Copenhagen here whatsoever? Probably not um, this is the dream draw <laughs> for Man City um, Copenhagen were the sort of wild card to make it through really um, as Lewis said did incredibly well to get through although I thought the standard of this of their group was, was quite poor actually uh, we've talked about Bayern but Galatasaray and Man United were incredibly erratic throughout the, the group stage, really. But um, fair play to, to FCK because they only had one point after the first three games. So to, to squeeze through after that was you know, very, very impressive. But um, yeah, I mean, it could have been better. They, they took the lead against Galatasaray and Bayern in, in their first two games, missed a, a stoppage time penalty at Old Trafford on match day three too. So perhaps their points tally could have been better than it already was. Um, I was impressed with their performances for the most part. Um, I thought Jakob Nystrup did a, a very good job in setting his team up in different scenarios and situations, um, particularly against Bayern over two games and also in the, the must-win matches really too. So I don't anticipate a battering. Um, they have got recent history of holding Man City here in Copenhagen last season. Um, City were more or less through um, in the group stage going into that game, but even still, um, I think they'll take a lot of heart from from what Everton did at the Etihad at the weekend. Um, 
I thought Everton looked pretty solid for the most part and sort of kept City at bay. Um, obviously, there was well documented City failed to have a shot on target in the first half of that match and looked um, didn't look to be sort of cracking uh, the Everton rear guard until Haaland um, with that terrific finish from the, the bounce ball in the, in the penalty area. But um, yeah, I think we'll see something similar here. I think Copenhagen would be foolish to kind of come out here and, and open up and try and sort of beat City at their own game. Um, they do have a, a reasonable record as, as big underdogs at home, actually. You have to go back to 2013 for the last time they were beaten here by by two goals or more in the Champions League. But um, yeah, the negative is they could be undercooked, could be a, a bit rusty. Um, and look, City, we've... we've talked about them enough now that they're coming into form they've got a full squad um they're going to dominate the ball as they tend to do and you would back them to to find a way through at some point or other um although I was interested to know they failed to win an away knockout game on the way to, to winning the competition last season um, I know that the standard of opposition was was much higher as, as Stinch has documented too but um even still I think they'll they'll do enough they'll know they've got the the benefit of playing at the Etihad in the reverse when when they come back. So I looked at City to win under under three and a half goals. It's odds against two fifteen, which I thought was fair enough. Um, never really that fun though opposing goals in Man City matches, but I thought the price was reasonable. Um, alternatively, I thought Bernardo Silva at eleven to ten for a shot on target. It's landed in seven of his last nine starts. I expect him to start after being on the bench at the weekend. So um, yeah, I thought that's a, a decent price. RB Leipzig in poor form. They face Real Madrid side that just went five points clear at the top of La Liga by demolishing Girona. Uh, Stinch, no Jude Bellingham, as we've discussed through injury. I thought Vinicius was utterly outstanding at the weekend. Uh, as you guys know, I've, I've said for a long, long time, I think he's one of the top players in the world. I think he's getting better all the time. I guess the test here is can they defensively deal with some of Leipzig's better attacking players like Xavi, like Lois Appenda? If they get going, they can be tough to stop. Yeah, and how, how are they going to cope with this this Bellingham void? You know, he scored he scored 20 goals in his in his debut season for Real Madrid, which is just stunning. Um across um La Liga and Champions League, which is uh Madrid has scored 68 in that, in that period. So he's, he's contributing nearly 30% of their goals, which is something you'd expect for a, a striker taking penalties. Like it's, it's yeah. incredible what, what Bellingham's doing. Um, in comparison, Vinicius only scored nine and Rodrigo only 11. So Bellingham scored the same amount of those two strikers put together. And also you look, add on to the fact that Bellingham is outperforming his expected goals by nearly seven. So not only are they going to miss him in terms of the goals, but he's actually been scoring chances that he really shouldn't be. So it's kind of papering over a little bit of cracks, I would say. Um, but again, you know, I'd say Madrid have been able to get away with it because a bit like the Champions League, La Liga has been poor standard-wise compared to the, the glory days of the last sort of 10, 15 years if you like. And obviously at the back when against uh, Girona on uh, on the weekend, they lined up with uh, Carvajal and, and Chumani at centre-back with uh, Lucas Vasquez at right-back. And you just think with the the likes of uh, Lois Appenda's pace, that could be something that Leipzig might take advantage of. Um, Danny Olmo is now back uh, yeah. playing. They, they signed Elmas in, in January from, from Napoli. And it's just really from from what I can see, it's just uh, Haidara missing from a, from a fully fit squad. 
as you mentioned though, like Leipzig are definitely uh, hard to trust this season. Um, a lot of um, well, this year really, I thought they looked okay for a lot of the first half of the season, but just in the last couple of months or so, just that there's something not quite right about them at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I think before Christmas, uh, I seem to recall, I think they went to Wolfsburg one weekend and won and then uh, lost 1-0 in, in the Cup. I think it was October. Um, they played Borkham at home and only drew 0-0, missed two penalties in, in that yeah, game. Two pens. Um, yeah, they, and they obviously beat Bayern at the beginning of the season with an Olmo hat-trick in, in the Super Cup. So, yeah, but in my opinion because they've got such a young squad like you're going to get this high volatility with results sure. and performances um, but they have got so much talent going forward in Appenda Sesco Xavi Simmons um, and they did beat Madrid 3-2 here last season so just with the absentees for Madrid going forward and defensively um, and Madrid are here a 6-5 to five faves away I think the the bet that uh, I quite like here is, is like basically to get Leipzig on side as underdog. So it's about Leipzig plus a quarter on the Asian handicap, um, around about one point nine five. So um, as long as uh, Leipzig avoid defeat, we'll, we'll get a payout. Lewis, does this lend itself to goals? Given what Stinch has said, because Leipzig always think are better when they're on the front foot. Marco Rosa tends to want them to play like that anyway. Lois Append has been in great form. And Real Madrid have those injury concerns at the back. Yeah, that that's the bet I've got written down here. Both teams are scoring over two point five goals. This, yeah, I, I do think with the there seems to be a lack of expectation, I suppose, with Leipzig in these types of games against the big boys at home. So this they can play a little bit more expansively, and 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 this is the, the first leg is where they're really going to have to try and um, stay stay in the game ahead ahead of the burnabout. So I can see lots of goals at. At both ends, there's been 3.52 match goals, total match goals in Leipzig's games in the Bundesliga this season. So they're almost guaranteed um, over 2.5, really. Uh, Madrid are top scorers in the Liga. So much frightening talent going forward. And I actually felt the passion in your voice when speaking about Vinicius Jr. there, Kev. It's, um, and you'll be glad to hear he's top price 15 to 8 to score on the sports, but with Betfest, that's the best wow, price you can get. 15 it. to 8 to score at any time in the any game. Time, any time in the game. So... Um, He's very much on my radar. The game he scored, I think he scored seven in his last six. As you say, he just looks back to somewhere near his yeah. best. Coming the, to the, the first ball. goal against Girona yeah. at the weekend is outrageous. Yeah, coming to the ball at just the right time of the season. So um, the bet I've got written down here is that both teams to score over two point five goals and Vinicius Junior to score any time, which comes out a very juicy eleven to four, or just taking the fifteen to eight for him to score any time looks pretty good to me as well. Mark, is goals the way you'd lean as well? Yeah, yeah. Uh, same same bet, really, to, as, as Lewis, bar the, the Vinicius angle, um, BTTS and Overs. Just on Bellingham, um, Stinch just kind of highlighted the, the goals output, but it's, it's assists as well in this competition. He's either scored or assisted in all five Champions League appearances. He scored four goals, assisted three in this competition. He, he leads the way in chances created from open play in the Champions League this season as well. So he is a, a huge miss. Uh, Brahim Diaz is a is a big step down, I think, um, from him. If it's not him, it might be Modric. Hey, right. I mean, obviously, he's all right. I mean, obviously, he's not, he's not like, yeah. uh, No, of course. But he's, <laughs> he's actually looked better than I thought he would. He's all right. There. 
he's all right. <laughs> I, I don't think he's going to be in the Real Madrid team for the next decade or so. But um, no. yeah, you look at Madrid, I, I can see where Stinch is coming from. The, the missing men here, Rudiger, Militao, Alaba, Courtois, Bellingham, they're not going to be as formidable as they perhaps could or should be really. So this is... Leipzig's opportunity to, to to show what they're capable of. And I wouldn't really do, be too concerned by the domestic results. I think on these kind of Champions League nights with Real Madrid coming to town, you expect them to raise their game. And they do pack a punch in forward areas. You guys have mentioned all the, the key individuals, Sesco as well. They've got so much attacking talent and they always tend to score at home in the Champions League. They, they failed to score once in the last 20 home league games. Champions League games um, but they've also been conceding plenty of goals as well I think they've conceded in their last 13 home Champions League ties so 12 have seen BTTS 11 of those 13 went over two and a half goals as well so yeah it makes sense to me to, to support goals for obvious reasons um, just elsewhere I looked at um, Schlager to commit two or more fouls here, six to five well that's a fair price um, he's four he, he committed four fouls against Man City in his last Champions League start he's a kind of scrappy sort high energy a bit clumsy a bit of a nuisance we'll get in your face uh, and I suggest if Leipzig are playing on the front foot Madrid can be very menacing in transitions so he might need to uh, you know put his foot in somewhere and just kind of break up play a couple of times Uh, and if he does so the three to one for a card stands out too he was quite the playmaker in his youth, Gustavo Schlager. When they won the uh, UEFA Youth League, he's turned into this big old clogger in <laughs> midfield. It's been really quite extraordinary. Uh, now, we know injury time goals could be a pain in the pocket if they ruin your bets, and they've got 90-minute payouts to rescue you if the clock hits 90 minutes and you've got the right results. As it stands, your bet wins when the match ticks into injury time. T's and C's in the description. 18 plus. BeGambleAware.org. On to Wednesday then, Bayern Munich were humiliated. That's the only word I can use really on Saturday as they lost 3-0 at Bayer Leverkusen to fall five points behind in the title race. They picked a back three, didn't work. They had lots of injuries, I accept that. Uh, they had Sasha Boe, who was making his full debut for the club, played him at left wing back, looked completely lost. Um, they played a back three that hadn't played together before. Eric Dyer kept giving the ball away. It was utterly, utterly awful. It's the worst I've ever seen Bayern in all the years I've covered the league. It's the worst I've ever seen them against the title rival. They usually up their game, but they were they had their pants pulled down, quite frankly, in front of the entire world. So there we go. They visit a Lazio team in the midst of an almighty scrap for European places in Serie A. Lewis, Bayern are 1.7 to win this first leg. And given the players that they have missing... Can't really get excited by that price at all. Yeah, totally agree. I, I, I think if, if you offered Thomas Tuchel a draw right now, I think he'd take it. To be honest, he, after what happened on on Saturday, which you, which you so um, brilliantly summed up there, I, I I think he would just want to shut this game down and, and and make sure there's no more drama for him to contend with. So the angle I'm looking at is under goals in this game with um, Lazio at home, a very difficult team. Um, to score against. They've got an incredible record, defensive record at home. They've just they conceded just three goals in their last 11 home games. And that's um, they've done that with nine clean sheets as well. So I, I, could, see, I could see Bayern playing very defensively as well. And both, both, both teams not really giving much away. No, a no thrills type of game. And the angle that I quite liked, which I thought was nice, was the no angle in the both teams to score, um, which was 2.1-2 on the exchange. So yeah, I can see it um, probably best to, to to switch over and watch another game rather than this one, I think on Wednesday. 
Yes, there's just got to be some kind of reaction. I thought Thomas Muller's head was going to explode <laughs> in his post-match interview because he was so angry. With, I think, the lack of the most basic things, the lack of application, the lack of fight, the lack of any kind of ease and swagger in a big title game, they, they look like rabbits in headlights from the get-go. Yeah, we, we've spoken about Tuchel already, but it's it's rather bizarre to to set with a with a five like that when you know that Leverkusen are so good from wing back with with Grimaldo and Frimpong or or um, Pavlovic who came in and started. Like, yeah, very bizarre to to go in like this. And we've already I think discussed... they were terrified of Frimpong, which is why I think they put Boe on the left. I think they were really scared of what Frimpong could do. And Shabby Alonso completely outfoxed them by not even putting Frimpong in his starting lineup or Hofman. And it completely confused them. Yeah. Yeah, and we discussed uh, Tuchel's uh, record and, you know, we haven't even touched on the, you know, some of the the, the really shocking defeats, you know, lo- losing at Saarbrücken in the DFB Cup. Uh, yeah. Last season, they lost at home to Freiburg in the, in the DFB Cup. They lost at home to Bremen, um, who they'd won like 25, the last 27 uh, yeah, meetings. Nobody loses them. at home to Bremen. Exactly. Like, yeah, he's he's just really, really underperforming. It's not as if he's not been backed in the transfer market. I know what Mark's saying, that he wanted you know, another holding yeah. midfielder or possibly I mean, a he's right had a lot back. of injuries <laughs> would be the caveat, to be fair. I mean, he, it's not a big squad and they have had... Davies out now. Kim's obviously been away. Upper Meccano's been in and out with injury. Delict's had an injury at the start of the season. Kimmich's done his shoulder. Coman's out now. Gnabry's only just coming back, but he's barely played. So he has had a lot of injury problems, but it still should be better than this. Yeah, I mean he's got a hundred million pound striker compared to last season, so that should be <laughs> that should be a, some some of an advantage. And you know he's he has won the Champions League before, and you know he beat Man City in the final, and um, they played was it played I think he played Kai Havertz as a lone striker in the final as well. So it shows that you know he can think outside the box, but he just tried too hard seemingly here and more. And and it's not just this occasion this season. You know this price, which is fairly typical price for for. A, for Bayern against semi-decent opposition this season, they failed to win it already at six times at uh, six to four or shorter. And uh, you know, as Lewis sort of outlined, Lazio have been fairly solid against the the decent sides in Serie A this season. Um, lost only lost five of ten against the the top nine uh, in Serie A. So yeah, I think it is going to be. Uh, it's not going to be as straightforward as the the four to six uh, of buy and win suggests. I'm I'm suggesting it might be a good watch because I want to back a card related bet. Um, ah, wonderful bit of violence. I, I, I like the look of uh, Lazio to get the most cards here at six to four. Um, they've got the second most cards in Serie A this season with six sixty one. We obviously know Serie A is probably a bit more card heavy than the Bundesliga. But if you look at Bayern in the Bundesliga, they've only collected the third fewest cards with just 35. That's nearly half as many. Um, you look at the Champions League, Lazio have also got the second most in the Champions League with 21. Bayern's the third fewest out of 32 teams with just eight. Um, so yeah, Lazio to get the most cards here at six to four appeals, and then if we're back in Lazio to get the most cards, uh, it stands to right that uh, there, there should be a couple of players that look worth going for. Uh, Nicola Ravella, 
Uh, eight yellows in 21 games this season, including three and three in the Champions League. He commits the most fouls for Lazio at 1.7 per game. He's three to one, uh, which looks quite nice to me. And then also kind of chanting uh, Chiro Immobile to collect a card at nine to two. Um, he seems to be picking up a few more cards this season. It's seven yellows in 18 starts. Um, he's going to be 34 next week. And I'm kind of wondering if his body is slightly beginning to slow down. You know, he's not playing every game as well, which sort of suggests he's not able to maybe handle the week in, week out schedule. He's probably angry that he turned down all that lovely Saudi cash. <laughs> so I'm wondering if, you know, maybe he's a bit later now in challenges. He, he gets a bit more frustrated as a result. And also if those seven yellows, five of those have come at the Stadio Olimpico. So I think arguably, you know, he's a bit more up for it. He's got the home crowd, the atmosphere. He, uh, he kicks off maybe a bit more. He's nine to two. Um, so I quite like both of them and if you bat them in a double that'd be 21 to 1 uh, the referee here looks pretty nice to me as well Francois Lectexia uh, he's averaging the fourth most cards in Liga this season so I would be surprised if we don't see uh, a reasonable amount of cards the card line set at 4.5 uh, 5-6 over under so we're expecting 4 or 5 cards here so then Mark people kicking each other not many goals what do you bring to the Lazio buy-in equation? Um, yeah, I found this one quite tricky, to be honest. Um, just going back to Saturday and the Bayern Munich defeat, I think you know there were dozens of really, really dreadful examples of where Bayern lost that match and lost it quite badly. But to me, the most brainless of all, really, was in stoppage time with Manuel Neuer going up for a corner at 2-0 so down. So self-indulgent. Um, so self-indulgent. Utterly ridiculous from one of your most experienced players, your leader, basically, to make such a brainless and really, really damaging decision, really, because it's you know added an extra two-goal swing to the goal difference. The, the, yeah. the points gap between themselves and Le Leverkusen is already five. It's now essentially six because it's a four-goal point uh, goal difference in Leverkusen's favour. Um, just stupid decisions like that could easily be kind of costing Bayern that uh, incredible run of, of Bundesliga titles. But um, yeah, I mean, ordinarily you look to, to Bayern uh, in this particular fixture or a similar sort of game as a, a potential bounce back spot. But um, they've done it a couple of times. I know when they were mauled by Frankfurt, they bounced back and beat Stuttgart 3-0 in Munich. But um, uh, the most recent defeat, they, they bounced back with a a really kind of uninspiring 1-0 winning against Union in the Bundesliga. And um, yeah. Um, yeah, the injuries, I know Kimmich will be back in the team this time around, but, you know, the performance of, of Eric Dyer and, and Boye at the weekend was was quite alarming. I mean, Dyer, if he wasn't putting the ball out of play, he was fouling people. I don't know how many fouls he committed in the end, but... I mean, if you're Matthias really... Licht watching that and going, sorry, you've picked a back three <laughs> and you've picked that dude ahead of me. <laughs> how? So, I... I mean, we don't know, but that that suggests there's there's been some kind of fallout between Delict and uh, and Tuchel, or so you know we don't know, but there's clearly something happening where he's not trusted because if he's not getting in ahead of Dyer in a back three, that's game over. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, this this midweek, Bayern have got a really good away record in the Champions League. They've beaten some really good teams in in recent years, and I do think if they put in a sort of seven out of ten here, they should be good enough to to beat Lazio even in Rome. Um, but whether they win by more than a couple of goals, I, I, I doubt really. So I was considering Lazio plus one on the Asian handicap at, at one point eight. I'm not going to play it just because I've I've not actually been that impressed by Lazio. I think they've dropped a lot below last season's standards. Uh, I know Milinkovic Savic has been a, a really sort of damaging blow his de 
departure. Their defensive numbers haven't been as good underlying metrics as, as last season. Um, their own form obviously is very good, but even in forward areas, last year they were not so reliant, but they had sort of really good contributions from Immobile and Zakanyi. I think Zakanyi is injured. Immobile is is showing his age, as Stinch was suggesting. Uh, this isn't Lazio with Sari, you know, Sari Napoli. This is this is a very different Lazio side, and they've not been very exciting. Um, even the wins they have managed to achieve have been pretty unconvincing. Um, they were pretty good at Cagliari the weekend, but that's uh, this is a huge step up in class. And Inter have beaten them twice pretty comfortably, actually. Um, and yeah, I just think, you know, with the pressure on with Bayern, they need a positive performance. Kimmich is back. I've seen Lazio toil big time at home against Feyenoord and Celtic. It required a goalkeeping intervention against Atletico Madrid as well. Um, if Bayern show up at 7 out of 10, I do expect them to win, but I couldn't back them at the prices, so I've no bet for me. Yeah, even Provadel with that goal against Atletico Madrid, maybe he can teach Manuel Neuer when you should go up and if you do, how to do it. Uh, finally, PSG face Real Sociedad. Luis, I know the guys threw a little bit of shade at Paris earlier on. I understand why. But I do feel globally, if you look at it, Paris looked more like a team than they did when Messi and Neymar were there. At least it looks like a team with some vague structure. Real Sociedad, though, very, very difficult opponents. We know that. But in terms of whether Paris could actually win it, at least they look a bit more set up than they have done previously. Yes, they do. But I, I do feel... We spoke earlier, didn't we, about Manchester City going through sort of a mental block in this competition and how it affects their ability, how it did affect their ability to sort of bring their A game to the party in those those big games when it, when it mattered. And I do think it's the same with PSG. This is, I read this stat earlier and I couldn't actually believe it. This is, this is a team that have lost in the last 16 in five of their last seven Champions League campaigns, which is remarkable really, considering the, the wealth of talent and some of the players that they've had through the door um, over the past um, five or 10 years. So I, I, I think the emotion involved with this tournament and PSG isn't isn't going to help them produce their best in the knockout stages. Um, and I think this is a very tricky um, tie for them, actually, against Sociedad, who are just going to turn this game, it's going to try and shut the game down, aren't they? They're going to try and frustrate PSG. Um, and I can see another low-scoring game, actually. Incredibly, the last 17 Real Sociedad games in all competitions have gone under 3.5 goals. So they're used to playing in these in these types of scenarios where they're trying to contain and, and, and shut down the opposition. Um, and I'm looking at both teams to score no again, actually. So this is this is a, potentially a double I could be playing on on Wednesday in both the, the, the Champions League games. And it's a bet that would have caught 12 times in the last 15 Sociedad games, both teams to score no. Um, and in five of their six uh, Champions League group matches. So um, you're likely to have lots of correct scores covered in that if PSG decide to put their foot down and and turn up, you've got the 3-0 covered, 4-0 covered, etc. And you also got the 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 nil-nil and the low score in Sociedad win on your side. So I think there's plenty of correct scores in your favour for this one if you're playing um both teams score no. And the price there is where are we going? The price was just around even money. Mark, we're big fans of Real Sociedad on this podcast, uh, as I think regular listeners and viewers will know. I mean, they've not looked out of place at all, have they, this season? No, no, very, very good. Um, I know when the draw was made, um, 
there was an assumption that PSG might find this quite tricky, and I, I completely agree. Actually, um, obviously, we know about PSG's home record in in the Champions League is it tends to be very very strong in Paris. Uh, they get Mbappe back after he missed the the weekend win against Lille, um, so it is quite a daunting task for for Real Sociedad. But they'll look at what. Dortmund did for for an hour or so in Paris. Um, you know, it wasn't a, a completely one-sided occasion before they sort of uh, PSG showed them a clean pair of heels in the last half hour. And, and Newcastle did manage to frustrate them for large periods. I know the balance of play suggested PSG should have won that comfortably, but they'll take heart from that. And I think there is a blueprint there to potentially use for Real Sociedad, who they don't have... Um, Razabal, he's missing, uh, or it looks very likely to be missing, which is a blow. But um, I think in Bryce Mendes, Umar Sadiq, there's players who can create. Um, Razabal is the is the captain. He's a key contributor. But I think the beauty of this Real Sociedad team is is they're definitely more than the sum of their parts. They're no, they're not reliant on key big name stars like say PSG could be or have been in the past. Um, the beauty of this team is they've a lot of them have grown up together. Imanol, the head coach, is deeply ingrained with the, the history of Real Sociedad. An incredible story. I think 11 homegrown players in their Champions League squad. And um, yeah, they can play a bit too. They came top of Inter's group, held Inter home and away. Uh, were much a better team in San Sebastian in that game. Qualified and beaten. Kept the most clean sheets, conceded the fewest goals and faced the fewest shots on target in the in the group stage as well. Uh, I know Benfica and Salzburg weren't as strong as previous years, but that's a, a really big achievement. And this is a hardworking team, tidy in possession. They press high, they play of intensity and they don't get beaten often. Just the, the five La Liga defeats all season, all of which came by a one goal margin. Um, so they're not often outclassed. Of those five defeats, three did come away at Real Madrid, Athletic and Atletico. Um, they have been competitive in all of them, but um, you know that would be worry me slightly. But um, yeah, I think if they are to lose in Paris, it might just come down to the odd goal. Um, I don't, um, or perhaps potentially down to a lack of kind of sucker punch from them in the final third. That tends to be their Achilles heel. Um, but yeah, I think PSG have kept what four clean sheets since sixteen now, if you exclude games against lower league opposition. So they've got an opportunity here, Real Sociedad. So I, I looked at them plus one again on the Asian handicap. It's only one seventy five, but. Um, as a slightly bigger price, you can back PSG to win by exactly one goal at 3.6, which I thought was quite interesting. I don't see them blowing Real Sociedad away. I'm hopeful the Spaniards can keep this competitive and hopefully do a job in, in San Sebastian in reverse because it would be great to see them progress through this competition further. Yeah, Stinch, that feels like the key, doesn't it? You, you try and keep it as tight as you can, then you take them back to Anueta and you see what you can do. Yeah, I think that will, will be key, especially will, uh, with Odatabao's absence. Uh, I'm not quite so positive on, on Sociedad as, as the other guys maybe are. Um, I think they might have run out a little bit of steam. Um, you know, they lost 1-0 at home to Osasuna on Saturday. Um, they haven't scored in the last four games. And a bit further back, they haven't scored in seven of the last 13. And, you know, Odatabao is a top goal scorer with 12 this season. Talisman. Um, PSG have won 17 of the last 22 games now. They're 1.74. I, I think it's I think it's just to keep it simple and back PSG to win at, at the price. It's the same price that Madrid were to to beat Sociedad earlier in the season. And I argue that Madrid and, and PSG ability-wise aren't too far apart. Um, yeah, or that's about played in that game where where Madrid were were 1.74. So to get PSG at 1.74 without Sociedad's key player, uh, I think it it could be a long 90 minutes. And maybe as you say, they'll be happy to just go back with just a one nil deficit or one goal deficit, and then uh, try and take PSG on on home turf. 
And of course, Real Madrid have one thing Paris don't have, and that is Brahim Diaz, who we were obviously <laughs> praising to the rafters earlier on. I know Brahim's a big uh, fan of the show, so I hope you've enjoyed it uh, this time around. That's all we have time for on this edition of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. All of our usual weekend previews will be coming along later this week. Remember, all of our shows are now on Betfair's new YouTube channel for non-racing content, so make sure you like and subscribe subscribe and all of the European action this week is going to be on our website betting.betfair.com all of those games previewed for you uh, from Lewis who made a fine debut from Mark from Stinch and from me it's goodbye for now